Welcome to CX for CXOs. You must have seen that meme, who led the digital transformation of your company? CEO, CTO, COVID-19. Well, there's an important C that's missing, and that's what I'm here to talk to you about today. Hello, I'm your host, Namrata Balwani. I'm a digital and customer experience consultant. I love being at the intersection of business, marketing, data, and technology. I guess you could see I love everything about this dynamic, changing world of customer expectations. Thanks for listening to my first ever episode. And in this week, we're going to be discussing that important C that many companies underestimate or don't think about when embarking on digitally transforming their business. I'm also going to leave you with one interesting piece of news and one interesting tool for better CX management. Before we begin, just a word to please submit any feedback at cxforcxos.com. In the age of COVID, digital transformation has seen an acceleration. Transformation is not about launching digital marketing campaigns, launching a new website, launching an e-commerce channel. It's about changing the fundamentals of how you do business with digital and technology at the heart. I like the BCG definition that says, in business, a fundamental change, a metamorphosis, in how companies generate value for their owners and stakeholders, achieved by applying digital technologies and ways of working to all aspects of the business. And they define four pillars for digital transformation. The first one is digitizing customer relationships. So looking at new customer experience and how is your business ready for that. The second is building digital talent in the organization. The third is harnessing data and technology. And the fourth is digitizing operations and automating processes. What I want to talk about today is the one factor that for me is the make or break for the success of any such exercise. And that C is not COVID-19. It's not the CEO. It's not the CTO. It's culture. Culture is the one factor that's usually underestimated. And the best intentions fall apart when they're met with the wrong culture. So do these sound like familiar scenarios to you? Your organization has people operating in silos. They don't share information with each other, either because they don't think they need to or because they hold information as a way of holding power. Now, in this situation, when you try to use technology to bridge data gaps, is this really going to happen? It's not going to happen unless it is a mandate that comes from the top. But does the CEO have to make everything a mandate? If your departments are already in a situation where they don't talk to each other too much, or they collaborate only on certain matters but are rarely proactive in their collaboration, then transformation is not going to happen at the pace that you want. Here's another scenario. When you want to build a single customer view, apart from marketing, a lot of key customer data is going to lie with sales, operations, finance. These departments all use their own tools and they all track various types of information. But a lot of this is critical to stitching up a view of the customer that's a 360 view. Now, you likely need to move to a new system altogether, or you need to build something that pulls information from various systems. And if these teams don't understand why this is important, it's going to sit somewhere in their to-do list, and they will get to it eventually, but it will still not be at the pace you want. So when anyone is entrusted with this whole exercise of digital transformation, it's first important to acknowledge what is your company culture, and then think about How do you want to embed desirable behaviors so that it becomes a success? Transformation and customer experience improvement is not the role of marketing and sales alone. 
it cuts across HR, finance, operations, risk. All these functions need to develop an understanding of how different kinds of technology are going to be used, how they're going to benefit the customer, how they're going to benefit the organization. When you hire a digital transformation leader and expect that person to work miracles without instilling the need for tech fluency in all departments, you're setting that person up for failure. It's like hiring a coach for weight loss and body transformation and then expecting that just because you hired that weight loss coach, you're suddenly going to achieve what you wanted to become a fitter person. You can't be successful unless you accept which of your behaviors prevent you from being fit and then making it your mission to overcome these behaviors and achieve the results that you want. If the transformation leader's KRA is to lead change through digital and technology, but other departmental KRAs remain the same in their own domains, it's not gonna see any success. Understanding the different capabilities that technology can bring uh, can actually help teams work together. And this is not a one-time effort, it's an always-on journey. So how do you embed these desirable behaviors? For one, you motivate cross-functional collaboration. For another, you look at constant learning on the path to digital transformation, perhaps by appointing evangelists in your organization, and evangelists not only in marketing, but in every division. Setting performance metrics and incentives with these goals, helping to balance innovation and experimentation when you have an inherent risk-averse culture. So let's say you understood what your customer experience should look like You've now decided to use technology to bridge gaps in data and customer understanding. Your solution needs all stakeholders to participate and set aside time from their daily jobs. And this can't be left to one department or one individual, or maybe one individual with a team of two or three. Because digital transformation design is not fixed. There are many changes that are happening along the way. Sometimes you find that there are existing tech limitations that come up while you're doing an implementation, but perhaps you didn't think they were that big before. Uh, you might have to rethink team roles while designing the solution because certain things that have been done by marketing may now be need to be done by customer service or vice versa. You might have certain integrations required to external tools, which are different from the way you had originally envisioned. These are daily decisions. So you can expect changes in design along the way and you need a buy-in from stakeholders. But this is not going to happen if people are not setting aside their time. So for example, some of the hurdles that companies face post-MarTech adoption come down to not thinking through company culture and structure. And typically I find these issues. One, there's a lack of clear role differentiation between marketing and IT. So there's a struggle over who does what. MarTech tools are customer-oriented. So marketing has a much clearer idea of how they are to be used, but IT has more experience with integration and with licensing agreements. If these role plays are not defined in advance on what's gonna happen once the tool is implemented, you might find the tool being passed around like a football between marketing and IT, but not being utilized. The second is lack of people planning before taking on a tool. People have day jobs. You can't just assume that someone is gonna take over a tool and be able to use it optimally without having enough time to spend on it. And you need someone who can dedicate themselves to understanding it well enough to use strategically. It's not only about knowing what's the tool workflow, which button to press, how to import data, how to create a journey. That's all the technical side of understanding a tool. But from the strategic side, what business value can it add is the most crucial. And for that, there has to be someone in the team who has been given some extra time 
to devote by taking away something else. The third is not budgeting for additional training or budgeting for working with SaaS company specialists who can help you get the best out of your tool. So typically you might budget for training at the time when you've taken over the tool and it's about to launch. But if you go and do an audit one month down the line, three months down the line, six months down the line, you'll be able to understand whether people are really making use of that training. Do they even remember all the features that they can use? Do they need additional training or do they need the SaaS company to spend time with people so that you can get the best out of that tool? And it's really, really important to budget for that in advance. The fourth is that decisions taken at senior management level typically only trickle down to the team when it's time to take action. So you've seen, as a CMO, you've seen this tool, you've decided it's great for your business. In your own mind, you can definitely see where it fits and why it works. If you just pass this down as, here's a great tool, it's been evaluated, we're gonna take it on, now please learn it. There's a big dissonance in how teams are gonna accept it. It's much better to involve them in the process of understanding what the tool does, giving their own points of view on whether the tool should be taken or not, and then looking at how are they gonna manage this tool going forward before you take that decision. It's a really famous saying, culture eats strategy for breakfast. It is absolutely true. Today, you have no choice but to transform, but you need to make sure that your culture keeps up with it. In some news, the internet was abuzz with GPT-3 last week. What is GPT-3? It's the third generation of OpenAI's generative pre-trained transformer, GPT-3. It definitely sounds like it could be in a sci-fi movie. Um, it's a general purpose language algorithm. It uses machine learning to translate text, answer questions, and predictively write text. So it will analyze a sequence of words, text, or data, and then it will elaborate on those examples to produce an entirely original output which could be an article, which could be an image, which could be lines of code. So you can program the API in natural language. So what that means, for example, is Sharif Shamim tweeted that he built a layout generator where you can just describe any layout you want and GPT-3 will generate the code for you. So for example, a button for every color of the rainbow, a table of the richest countries in the world with the column names and GDP, and it can therefore make a programmer's job so much more productive because GPT-3 could potentially take care of a lot of elementary tasks. It also works on content. And in content, it can create jokes, it can create stories, articles. But honestly, there's a lot of hype because if you see how it writes content, sometimes it sounds amazing and credible, and at other times, it seems like a random hodgepodge. So I don't think it's taking any jobs away anytime soon but it's certainly a great advancement and one to watch out for in times to come. Sam Altman, who co-founded OpenAI, even tweeted, the GPT-3 hype is way too much. It's impressive, but it still has serious weaknesses and sometimes makes very silly mistakes. AI is gonna change the world, but GPT-3 is just a very early glimpse. We have a lot still to figure out. I do wish it worked well enough to create podcast episodes for me. And this one really struck a chord because if you haven't launched your own podcast, I can tell you that it is a lot of work. It's fun, it's exciting, but it's a lot of work. Let's talk about interesting tools. This section on tools is not necessarily about tools I have personally used. It could be tools that I have come across and I have 
researched, I have checked out their website, seen what they do, what kind of customers they work with, or I've heard them in some forum, and I'm creating awareness about them here. So if you have not heard of it, it's to make you acquainted with an interesting tool, and it could be across any industry. So today's tool is Viruseeds, and it's very relevant for retailers who want to create an omnichannel customer experience. Viruseeds connects in-store data to any data platform in the retailer's digital ecosystem to enable teams and partners to increase customer value. It creates fully branded, personalized digital receipts via any method such as email or text. It also works alongside loyalty programs to identify non-members and their purchases. It doesn't need to be integrated into an existing APOS system and it can be rolled out centrally. What's interesting about Viruseeds is that they also link to digital ad campaigns so you can measure a revenue impact in your retail stores. They are official partners of Facebook, Google, and other ad platforms. Therefore, when you run a campaign on Facebook or Google, you will be able to measure the in-store impact of these ads. So I certainly think it's worth checking out. I hope you enjoyed this episode and learned a little more about culture and digital transformation. Get in touch with me at cxforcxos.com if you have show ideas you disagree with anything I said, or just want to say that you listened, because that would really make my day. You can find all the show notes at cxforcxos.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, I would love for you to review it on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Mm-hmm.